Hello, and welcome back to the Can't Stay Quiet podcast. I am your host, Samantha Boswell. I'm really excited for today's episode. We are going to be talking about Canada and a quick picture into Canada right now. I say quick, it's probably not going to be that quick because there is so much going on. I feel like things are evolving every day. And as a lot of you are probably feeling it, we are at this critical moment in time. There is a lot happening. Um, But before we get to the events of this week, let's start with our leader himself. Let's talk about him. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, JT. I used to call him that for fun, but I feel like he's he's lost that title. I can't call him JT anymore. Justin Timberlake is the only one that gets that name. Um, not even that sure about him, but definitely not Trudeau. Uh, before I get to Trudeau's address to our country that we heard yesterday, I want to start with an interview done in Quebec uh, several weeks ago. And when I first watched this, honestly, I couldn't believe it was real. First of all, I was like, am I getting this translated wrong from French to English? Because... I can't get over the things that he's saying, Um, but I did not. And this is what he said, translated to English. Quote, we are going to end this pandemic by proceeding with the vaccination. There is still a part of the population fiercely against it. They don't believe in science or progress, and they are often misogynistic and racist. They take up some space. This leads us as a leader and as a country to make a choice. Do we tolerate these people? End of quote. Every time I see it, every time I hear it, I cannot get over that that is our Prime Minister. So, listen, I used to think that this was just part of his political ploy, part of his campaign platform during the election to, you know, feed off the fear of Canadians so he could play the savior role, come sweeping in, um, and that it was his strategy that he thought he could get a majority government um, using this platform, basically running on the fear of Canadians, which we all know that failed and wasted billions of dollars. Um, So now we're entering into a different zone. He's not saying these things anymore just for a vote. He's not ranting and raving about, we're not gonna have any unvaccinated on airplanes, you're not gonna get on a plane or a train without a vaccination, you're not gonna put these kids at risk. That's when he was running and trying to win off that. Now he's just now he's just actually believing and saying these things, um, which I think is a bit of a different territory that we're entering into. We have the rantings of a tyrannical leader. So we have the same man who wants to increase censorship You can look up bills like C-10 and C-36, which have been criticized by the former CRTC commissioner. He compared the liberal plan to censor the internet with that of China and Russia. Quote, he said, we are not living in a very liberal era when it comes to speech. We're living in an era that has many anxieties verging on hysteria about the dangers of unfettered discussion. There seems to be very little belief on the part of recent college graduates in the ability of society to find itself reasonable accommodations with dissent, end of quote. So we don't know how to tell the difference between just peaceful differing opinions and hate speech and and hate speech that goes so far as to be like threatening. We don't know how to have the civil discourse anymore. So for example, if you believe that there's two God-given genders, then you must also be transphobic and dangerous. This is literally the state of our society today. There's no real room for tolerance and different differing opinions. There's no room to disagree with someone and still love them, care about them, respect them as a fellow human. So Trudeau, who just passed Bill C-6, for example, as well, will not even allow pastors or parents to say their beliefs around gender identity. Um, 
equating these words with conversion therapy and basically violence. Um, that could be a whole episode in the future, and I would love for it to be um, that just passed a couple weeks ago. So we have this prime minister who is so dead set on making pretty much everything being hate speech and punishable, and yet here he is saying these kind of things. It's just ironic. Uh, at best. So the fact that he tries to call people racist and misogynistic for not getting a vaccine, it shows at this point that it has nothing to do with science, but everything to do with politics. We are not trying to shame people and mislabel them as racist and misogynistic. Now, interesting fact, when it comes to calling someone misogynistic, so like hating women, the percentage of men and women in Canada who are unvaccinated, or as some like to call it, vaccine-free, which I really like. You know, it's kind of like gluten-free, dairy-free. There's like a positive connotation as opposed to like unvaccinated, like unemployment and unclean and all these things. Um, but it's almost equal. So according to Health Information, uh, the database for Canada, you can check on their website, the government website, 15.25% of females uh, have not had any doses and 17.44% male. So it's about 50-50 on females and males. So here he is saying like, oh, it's all these misogynists, like a whole bunch of female-hating males that are white supremacists are just running around, not getting vaccinated and being racist. So that's just so much here. So not only is his question, do we tolerate these people, completely unethical, but even the science doesn't support him. So here in Manitoba, we are seeing a staggering high number of vaccinated individuals um, being hospitalized compared to unvaccinated. Now, people love to say, well, that's because there's more people that are vaccinated. So that's why it's like a greater number. But we have seen it climb at a rapid pace. And I, have, I haven't crunched all the numbers, but from what I can tell, uh, not nearly at the same rate at which people are getting vaccinated. So I feel like those uh, arguments don't really stack up. And at the end of the day, a hospital bed is a hospital bed. Um, and so we are seeing, you know, that there's still transmission. There are even still hospitalizations and I, some ICU admissions from those that are vaccinated. So to put unvaccinated in this totally different category and, you know, blame and now actually shame them really doesn't make any sense. Um, almost in unison, several provinces start, have started to admit that their hospitalizations in general were an overestimation of COVID burden. So some people were coming in for things literally like a car accident and being marked down as COVID because they tested positive when they got there. So that doesn't mean that their COVID was so severe that they needed to be hospitalized. Now, again, I am not denying that there are not cases where that is that is true, but we have Bonnie Henry, the health minister in BC, admitting this. Jason Kenney, the premier in Alberta, admitted up to 60% were not primarily COVID. Uh, Dr. Moore in Ontario confirmed that 50% of Ontario's COVID hospitalization numbers aren't actually people in hospital for COVID. They are incidental findings. In Manitoba, two-thirds of cases were not there primarily due to COVID. Interestingly enough, Audrey Gordon, as opposed to just admitting it like the other provinces, she tried to say that this was a new trend for Omicron. And as opposed to what a lot of us have been saying for the last two years, um, she said that this was a new trend. And so now they're going to start um, trying to track this better. So the same thing is coming out in the States. You know, even CNN admitted up to 40% of those with COVID came for something else like a car accident. A couple weeks ago, we had the Quebec Premier Francois Legault starting to look at taxing unvaccinated Canadians, of which, of which Trudeau showed great interest in this policy. He was like wondering how it was going to, you know, the details of it, but he was interested in it. So it's not enough that most of them have 
lost their jobs. Let's let's also tax them. And again, this tax is absurd. Uh, last time I've checked, the average hospitalization rate from a positive COVID test across Canada was about 5%, 1% to ICU. Um, you know, and now we have the data from the CDC that over 75% of COVID deaths have three to four comorbidities. So now you want to tax the unvaccinated? Like following this line of thinking, are you going to tax smokers, people who are overweight, those that aren't working out or taking their supplements? Like we know that this is often the case for those hospitalized. So every move that our provincial governments have been making lately literally just feels like a push and incentivization for those that are not vaccinated to get vaccinated, whether it makes sense or not. Thankfully, it was just released today that Quebec will not be moving ahead with those plans. However, apparently a lot of people uh, rushed out to go get their first dose uh, after this policy was proposed. All right, so now we have the big event. What everyone is talking about, we have the truckers convoy. And we have seen thousands across the country come together. Some estimated at half a million people were headed on their way to Ottawa, including truckers and those that were just coming there in support. So if you haven't been following the news or if you've been living under a rock, why are they there? Uh, the federal government issued a vaccination mandate for all truckers who were crossing the border to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. This was before Biden did the same thing. Um, as well, the federal government is now looking at interprovincial mandates as well. Um, so they decided to drive across the country, meeting uh, in Ottawa in protest. They are parked around the parliament building and they are not moving until either Trudeau lifts all mandates or he resigns. Personally, I'd like to see both. I think that would be that would be the best end to this for me. Um, this has evolved, though, into so much more than when it started. Last time I checked, their GoFundMe page has $9.3 million, $9.3 million in donations. Uh, over 116,000 individuals have donated. This covers the cost of the trucker's journey, so their fuel, shelter, uh, food, and any money that's left over will be going to a veterans association in Canada. Uh, truckers have to submit their receipts, so it's all above board, um, and I believe they have a board and a lawyer taking care of all the details behind it, so this 9.3 is going to be handled with care. Um, if you're unsure about, um, you know, how many Canadians are really behind this, just look at the donors. So according to Andrew Summer, who has worked with donate, donation acquisition and small investors toward causes for 20 years, says that you can understand real support for a movement and its scope through data donation. He says the average donation is just $77. When he analyzed it, it was then only at $7 million, and it was only after being up for seven days. He said that it's an extremely widespread and rigorous movement. It is not small and not rigged, no pun intended. Uh, the largest donation was made by Liar.com for $42,000. And if you want to laugh, go type Liar.com into your browser and see what pops up. So when looking at this mandate, you know, like, let's just look at it for what it is. It's widely known that when it comes to vaccinations, they don't stop transmission and infection. I mean, Trudeau himself apparently has tested positive and he is triple. He's got all three shots and wearing a mask all the time and he is still positive. So if we're asking if passports logically make sense, they don't. Furthermore, for a trucker who is in his car alone, like literally, of all people to put this mandate on, truckers in their car almost the whole time. Uh, you know, maybe they have to stop a restroom break or a pit stop or whatever, but they're basically alone the entire time. This makes no sense. They were our heroes in the height of the pandemic, essential workers that we needed. And suddenly, you know, now that a vaccine is available, they're suddenly, they're at risk and they're putting society at risk. Like this literally does not make any sense. 
Um, the movement, however, has gone far beyond advocating just for the rights of truckers, but for every Canadian that's been affected by lockdowns and mandates. So, you know, this started with affecting truckers and they said, you know what, like, we're done with this for on behalf of all of Canada. All of the people who lockdowns and mandates are still affecting people who are still losing their jobs, not able to see their kids play sports, like the list is endless. They are gonna stay put until all mandates are dropped. And you know, we could do a whole other episode and I would really love to do this in the future about the effects of lockdown in our country, but uh, it, they, the, the list is endless. There are so, so much harm that these lockdowns have done. Um, and yeah, there's been experts that have looked at this and said that they far outweigh the benefit. And so they're there to put an end to all mandates that have eroded our freedoms and cost our society dearly. But Trudeau, he doesn't care about the effects of lockdowns or how unconstitutional mandates are that they've taken away our charter rights. Now, if you don't agree with me that they have infringed on our rights, uh, Premier Brian Peckford, he is the last, I find this fascinating, he is the last living minister or signer of the charter and he has serious concerns over current policies in relation to the charter. Jordan Peterson interviewed him and said he is a unique historical and current resource to illuminate Canadians as to the intent of the people who were instrumental in drafting, writing, and agreeing on those fundamentally important accords. So his concerns include section two, six, seven, and 15, which he helped craft. It includes freedom of association, assembly, life, liberty, and security of person, freedom of mobility and equality. He says those provisions are being violated by all governments of Canada, and he is launching a lawsuit against the federal government, especially in regards to the travel ban. So of anyone who should have relevant insight into the intent and application of the charter and whether or not this is actually affecting our freedoms, because some love to argue that it's not, it's this guy. So I am so excited to see the outcome of this and to see him uh, launch this lawsuit, and I'm really praying that it goes somewhere. All right, so criticism, criticism. So much criticism of this convoy. Honestly, I was a little shocked. I expected some pushback from the Liberal government, you know, like some downplaying of the size, which they definitely did, or maybe just, you know, the intentions of the truckers, you know, wondering if there's gonna be any violence. I expected that. But I did, did not and was not prepared for this full-on attack of uh, the people showing support and for as many people to fall for it, really. So the first line of attack has been calling this movement a white supremacist movement and that it is racist. When I first heard that, someone sent me a post and I was like, no, no way. You've got to be kidding me. Um, people were complaining that or, you know, like being afraid that we're seeing the rise of nationalism in Canada. Now, again, nationalism, that could be a whole nother whole other episode, um, how that word has just been used to be such a negative connotation, but we should have a healthy amount of pride for our country. There is nothing wrong with that. I've always said that Canada is really lacking in that way. America, you know, has a lot of pride and care for their country. We don't really have that same sort of feeling in Canada, and I've never been able to put my finger on why. Um, so I think we could do with a healthy amount of nationalism. Now, again, there's whatever, the negative side of nationalism, we don't have time to unpack that today, but I'm just talking about regular old pride in your country and where you live and being thankful for the freedoms that we have. And so there's so much to unpack here. Um, I first saw a tweet going around that this movement just had a white supremacist vibe, whatever that means. And I've got to say, I just kind of have to say it, like comments like that in and of themselves are racist. You see a group of white people together and based on their skin color, you assume something negative about them. 
which also happens to be untrue. Um, those in the center or left, politically speaking, they don't like the pushback on this, but if you haven't learned about critical race theory yet, you are seeing the effects of that ideology being played out in this scenario. And maybe you haven't noticed it in the last year and a bit. And I will agree that these conversations were probably happening, you know, the last previous rather to the last two years, but they seem to have been growing and running wildly, even in Christian circles. Um, and I'm seeing that so much more on social media. So we could, again, there's so many things I'm going to say this about. We could spend a whole episode on critical race theory, but in a nutshell, just so you can understand where I'm coming from and my point I'm trying to make, Critical race theory is seeing the world through a lens of who is the oppressed and who is the oppressor, everything through that lens. So it also endorses the idea of white privilege and white um, uh, guilt and that white people are inherently racist and that's just part of who they are. And if they try to tell you that they're not racist, that just shows you how blind and racist they really are. So really, there's no winning. You can know in your heart, you don't have prejudice towards anyone, that you don't show partiality, which the Bible calls out as a sin. You can be like, actually, this is not something I struggle with. I don't I don't show that. But you are therefore just blind to your own racism, and you still need to apologize. So that has been pushed a lot in the mainstream this last year. We've seen posts pouring out. It seems mostly from like middle-class white women. Maybe that's just because I'm following a lot of influencers that happen to be in that category. I don't know. But they're apologizing for their racism, even if they've never shown or displayed partiality or racism, and apologizing for the actions of their ancestors, which again, I don't believe that is that is their responsibility to do. You can disagree with me on that. So hear me out. I'm not denying racism exists or its presence in Canada, but I am advocating that critical race theory presents the world view in which everything is seen through race and it actually does the very thing it says it's supposed to be fixing. It actually perpetuates racism. So I can only scratch the surface here if you're curious about more on that topic and why that is and if you think I'm crazy, go look up the book Fault Lines by Vodi Bauckham or um, on podcasts, check out interviews with Samuel Says. You can find him on Instagram at slow to write. But I bring this up because I think this is why we are seeing people, and again it seems maybe predominantly white people, uh, believe this lie from the media and Trudeau that this convoy is racist. We've been conditioned to look for racism under every rock. Uh, that we must condemn it, even if it was something that wasn't racially motivated, for fear that we'll be canceled or called a racist ourselves, and we don't want to be insensitive. And sometimes this can spring from, you know, decent motives. Like, yes, we should analyze things like, is something, you know, causing harm to another group of people based on their race? I'm not saying to not ever look for those things, but sometimes we are looking for it in places that it does not exist. So the trouble I also have with this is that it takes away from actual instances of racism. When you label everything as racist for no other reason than the media told you so, you and that you don't want to appear uncompassionate, we don't actually know the difference anymore. So here we are, the media and Trudeau labeled this racist, and we've received our marching orders that we better call it that too, or we're going to be called out and canceled and hateful. And at this point, we might even believe it must be racism. So despite that this movement has people of all skin colors from all walks of life and beliefs gathering together and collectively saying we are in support of this, the media won't listen. And our prime minister has an easy tactic to shame us and to silence us. So let's get to the root of some of these accusations. I have seen some deep dive posts that say, you know what, this this movement just has racist beginnings. And so it's not just that it has, you know, racist vibes or white supremacist vibes, um, but look at who started it. So Let's briefly look at that. 
Tamara Lynch, Secretary of the Maverick Party. It's a Western Canadian separatist party. I have actually never heard of this party before, so I did look it up. Uh, she is who organized their GoFundMe page. Now listen, I don't know her well. I cannot go and find whether she's racist. I can't go speak to her. I haven't seen comments made that appear that she is. But anyways, I briefly skimmed their party page, but this is what I will say. When you go to the Convoy page, which is primarily through their Instagram and GoFundMe page, um, they have made it very clear that this has nothing to do with any racist ties or organizations or people at the rally that have ulterior motives. Like, they have gone above and beyond to be so transparent on their Instagram page. Anything that the media has attacked with them, attacked uh, them on, they have come back with clear information, clear intent. Um, so I just, I don't know. I feel like if you are going to pick apart every person who's involved in a movement with thousands of people, I just, you're going to find all sorts of different beliefs. You're going to find ones that are not great. Um, and you're going to find others that are like, you cannot discredit a whole movement. So you have to look, where is the money going? What is the end goal and intent? And is there messages of racism that are trying to be like lumped in with this movement, like from the organizers themselves? Like, or what are they pushing? I don't see any of that. So I'm not here to, you know, um, stand up for these names of people. I don't know these people, but I can speak to the goal of the convoy based out and laid out in their GoFundMe page, as well as the truckers that have spoken and the conduct that they've had. Um, so... Yeah, I feel like it's also so unfair by people that are against it. And again, primarily liberals, because it's Trudeau who doesn't want to be in support of this, that we like we don't look to other movements like the origin. So Planned Parenthood is a great example of that. The left would support Planned Parenthood and abortion. And here you have a racist founder. It was very clear. And yet no one was like, oh, well, that's just where it started. So like, we're just going to brush that under the rug. It's not a big deal. So I think in order to remain consistent in your beliefs, you have to look at, again, what is this group or organization doing now? What are its core beliefs? What are their end goals? And do I agree with them? Personally, um, I think you have to ask yourself if you're against this, why are people of every color and religion coming together? Could it be that their goal and motive has absolutely nothing to do with racism, despite not knowing the beliefs of, you know, every person there, and that Trudeau is using this narrative to his advantage? I think that's a huge yes. For some reason, the voices of many indigenous, black, and people of color voices are being ignored right now. There is literally a POC uh, convoy Instagram page that is elevating these voices because that we're only allowed by the liberals to listen to those voices when it fits their narrative. Because Trudeau is literally calling all of these minority groups racist, misogynistic, and all of these things. So there's so many people from all different backgrounds coming together in support. If you want to see more of that, you can check out um, their, again, their Instagram page is at POC for the number Free Freedom Convoy. People have had enough of this being tainted as something that it's not, and minority groups are coming out in support and seeing how ridiculous these labels are of white supremacy, and I think we should believe them. So let's talk about what the media claims is happening on the ground. These are the claims of CBC and Trudeau and a whole bunch of tweets around the same time. It's like they all got the same notes um, by liberal politicians. So you've probably seen or heard about a Confederate or a swastika flag, and I say flag because I believe it was literally 
a flag, but this was the perfect media opportunity for CBC. Let me just say, in a group of thousands of people, you are always going to draw all sorts of people. This doesn't represent the thousands that are there. This doesn't represent their movement or their goals. You're going to have actual fringe radicals and maybe even paid actors, I believe that is a thing, show up. Is it terrible that they have the guts to stand there with a flag like that? Yes. Should we excuse it? No. But those individuals are who should be held accountable, not the entire group of people, when this is clearly not part of the movement. The rest of the group have been asking these people to leave. The True North Media is offering a reward for anyone that can identify because identify this person because they want them held accountable and gone from the protest. You know, and what's really interesting to me is that if this was a movement that was about that, wouldn't you have seen those flags on the trucks as they drove across Canada, like going all across Canada, if this was part of their motivation and movement? Why are we now just seeing these individuals appear in Ottawa? Um, I think that's really, really telling. An interesting photo surfaced of Trudeau's personal photographer, Adam Scotty, getting the perfect shot of someone with such a flag. Now, CBC is denying his presence at the protest. They say it was just a guy that looked like him. And I admit it would be kind of a risky move to send your main photographer there, but it sure looks like him. So regardless, I would not be surprised if the Liberal government could have sent people there in opposition because if you think for a second that Trudeau doesn't want them there, he does. He's more than happy that they're there, there to discredit this movement. But because this is their plan to shut you up. And it's been starting since Trudeau had that interview in Quebec. If he can paint any anti-vaxxer, anti-mandate individual as racist, then in his mind, he's one. Because who wants to be called a racist? Even if it's not true, people don't want to accidentally be associated with it. But let me be frank. We have to stop caring about what names we get called. Because if they aren't true, you have to let them slide off your back and keep getting louder because they are banking against you doing that. They want to silence you and shame you. But if you know, hey, this is not an issue I'm struggling with, then and this has nothing to do with that, then have the confidence that you're going to be ridiculed, you're going to be called the wrong names, but you need to say it anyways. All right, moving on to the Terry Fox statue. Let's talk about that statue. This was apparently desecrated. And by desecrated, I mean he's holding a Canadian flag with a hat on his head and a flag around his neck. I just, oh my goodness, photos have been circulating of liberals doing the same thing for various occasions, having him hold flowers and a pride flag to hats and scarves and also a Canadian flag. And you know what the media said about, about it then? They said he was adorned. Yeah, just adorned with things, not desecrated. Since then, the convoy has shared videos of pro protesters ensuring Terry Fox is back to his original state and even cleaning him off. The same thing is happening with the war memorial, the tomb of the unknown soldier. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh said it was desecrated and urinated on. Protesters actually, part of the convoy, are now, they are trying to protect the memorial and have set a watch around it. So bad actors do not represent the convoy. Police officers were asked on camera if it was vandalized. They replied that there had been one individual that they had to ask to leave. One out of thousands, maybe, I think even 10,000 people. So despite the media wanting to spin this as a dangerous place to be. There have been zero arrests. I heard one reporter say that he would even be comfortable having his kids there with him because it felt like a Canada Day celebration. This was not a violent, scary place to be. In Cranbrook, British Columbia, a few months ago, a war memorial was defaced with spray paint with the words, vaccinated are the real heroes. But no national news coverage captured this. You can see that there's unequal treatment for the same action. So can you imagine if like the media had actually talked about the real hate that's being spread in this country, you know, things that Trudeau has said as opposed to trying to like 
just reproduce and fabricate these fake narratives of racism and hate and violence um, if they actually reminded Canadians that Justin Trudeau asked if unvaccinated individuals should be tolerated. Oh my goodness. In addition, I've seen up-to-date footage of the memorial in perfect conditions with flowers on top, as well as people picking up garbage on the sidewalk, shoveling snow. People are leaving Ottawa even better than when they found it. Now, this movement has also been gaining worldwide support. We're seeing support for the movement from several other countries who are starting their own convoys. You guys, Canada finally started something, started something great. It's starting in America, Brazil, and Australia, and several other countries are following suit. Now, regardless of what you think about these people, but we are getting recognition from some pretty big names in the States. Elon Musk has been tweeting about things. Trump supported it. Again, love it or hate it. But these people are talking and bringing some public attention and worldwide attention to what's happening here. And I really feel like that's so important, especially given like the pressure that we want Justin Trudeau to be feeling right now. Um, Tucker Carlson has done several segments on it. Brett Weinstein and even Russell Brandt. You also have Jordan Peterson, who sent out a message to the conservative opposition uh, the day before yesterday and encouraged them that this is their moment to step in and take back our country. The people are wanting this and ready. They need to step in and be actually acting as the opposition party. So how have our current politicians responded? Well, it's been some interesting responses. The NDP party has been no better in adding the fuel to the fire. There's just as... Uh, difficult as the Liberals, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh had several posts that were really inflammatory. Here's one example. He said, today we commemorate five years since a terrorist attack and murdered Muslims in a Quebec City mosque. We said never again. And today, conservative MPs have endorsed a convoy led by those that claim the superiority of the white bloodline and equate Islam to a disease. I, I don't even know where to start with this. This is clearly so exaggerated, inflammatory language that's trying to divide people, not based on truth. Um, thankfully, the comments were encouraging, and even his own supporters pushed back. One of my fav favorite comments said, The audacity you have to associate one with the other. I'm a Muslim and am in support of the Freedom Convoy because you're framing it as one thing while we are here fighting another. End the mandates, end the tyranny, be ashamed of yourself. End quote. So Trudeau's response. So all this has been happening, and where is Trudeau? Where is Waldo? Like, where where is he? Well, all this is going on. Well, conveniently, he was a near-close contact who tested positive for COVID. He tested negative. Someone near him tested positive. And now, a few days later, he has reportedly tested positive himself, and he's been quarantining. He was already quarantining, even though he had a negative test, which shows you how confident he is in his vaccine. Uh, rumors say he's fled the country, but... Who can know for sure? Regardless, he is not in Ottawa for the return of Parliament or to meet with the Trekkers. So he's getting ridiculed from around the world for running and hiding. Social media is having a heyday with memes and tweets about this. And honestly, I can use a good laugh right now, so I am enjoying that. Um, his first response, so when he first uh, addressed the convoy, he called it a small fringe movement that held unacceptable views, and his attempt to downplay the size and the veracity of the movement has only fueled it more. I feel like this majorly backfired for him. Not only has he just fueled it because people know just how untrue this is, at least a majority of people I would hope, but he gave it a name. Like, it, we're now the small fringe, and there's a hashtag, we the fringe, that has thousands and thousands of posts. There's mugs and t-shirts and hats being made. Like, he <laughs> did not do any damage control, um or, you know, shutting it down instead. He's just given it a name and a hashtag. 
Second response uh, to the public came yesterday. Now, despite the true picture that we're seeing through people on the ground with social media, Trudeau, of course, sticks with the random outliers and summarized the protest as Nazi symbolism, racist imagery, desecration of war memorials, an insult to memory and truth. He had the audacity of all things that he's been saying about unvaccinated people. He said, quote, hate can never be the answer and that Canadians were shocked and disgusted. He also said, quote, we are not intimidated, even though he is literally claiming to have COVID right now. And maybe he does. You know, I don't know the truth on that. But the timing, you have to admit, is really ironic. You're just kind of going away and hiding right? while all these people are showing up to meet with you. Like, it's it's very suspicious. Uh, he claimed that these uh, protesters have hurled insults at businesses and stolen food from the homeless, which is ironic because literally in their fundraising page, they are the convoy is in support of small businesses. Like that's part of why they're showing up here. So why would they be hurling insults at them? I have no idea where that comes from. Uh, a veteran, a Canadian veteran on the ground is trying to get the message out that these are all lies. He literally said, this is 100% a lie that you just heard from the prime minister. People are bringing in supplies and food of which homeless are able to have. There's been free food given out just on the street. He says all war memorials and the Terry Fox statue are totally fine. They're actually now blanketed in roses. Um, and that we need to understand that our prime minister is not telling us the truth. Trudeau also said we won't give in to those who fly racist flags, which is interesting because, again, those who fly racist flags, if there was two flags there, what about the other 99.9% of people? Like, will you go and listen to them? Because clearly this is not the majority of the group. Um, he's saying, like, we're not going to talk to those who dishonor the memory of our veterans. And, again, the surplus of the money raised is going to support veterans and their veterans on the ground supporting this. Um, he has said that they are threatening and harassing fellow citizens, spreading hateful messages. Again, if you want to see what's going on, go to the convoy's Instagram page and see what they're saying. I, I don't see any of this. In fact, I see an over going over the top to make sure the opposite is happening. Um, he said there's no place in our country for threats or violence. Again, he is the one who is trying to demonize a group of people that have made the wrong decisions that he's now calling racist, like he is so hypocritical. He calls for responsible leadership, bringing people together in a positive way to fight division and fear. Again, if that's so, he is the one most responsible for this. Uh, he then adds, and I can barely get through this one, goodness, there's so many pointers on this, um, to the politicians, he says, exploiting people's fears. Think long and clear about the choices of your actions. So, of all people, again, to be exploiting people's fears, he has been pushing and pushing and pushing parents to get their kids vaccinated, ages 5 to 12, um, out of fear. And at the same time, we have places like Sweden that just decided against recommending COVID vaccines for that 5 to 12 age group. So I just, yeah, he is the politician exploiting people's fears. Uh, wrapping up his speech, he said nearly 90% have gotten vaccinated and they continue to be hardworking, which is again, overlooking, I'm not adding this, again, overlooking how many vaccinated truckers are there. This is not just the unvaccinated. He said, we want you to be able to do your job safely. We want you to be able to drive in your car by yourself safely. He says, Canadians at home watching are watching in disgust. How could this have happened after everything we've been through together, there for each other? 
which honestly, like, does no one remember that a year ago we were told to snitch on each other? Like, there were little literal snitch lines where you could call and say, hey, I think my neighbor has, like, 11 people over, and you're only supposed to have 10. And then COVID cops would come to your door. This is like, we're in it together. That's what that looked like. People were not allowed to see their dying family members. I know people who... You're only at the hospital. They were only allowed to go in after they had died because they were unvaccinated. They were not allowed to go say goodbye to their family members. My goodness. Uh, we've been letting down our kids and our teenagers contemplating suicide. So when he says, like, they've been there for each other, this is the, this is the outcome of these policies he's created. Lastly, he said, we're in your corner. You are the story of this pandemic, not the convoy. The story of millions of people who made good choices, who got vaccinated and ensured our safety and the safety of others. I will continue to encourage vaccination, boosters, and vaccination for kids. This government will continue to be there for you and have your backs. Oh my goodness, this whole speech is really hard to swallow. Uh, so despite, you know, the speech being a letdown, I did have, hear one positive response. Um, someone had said that he is showing his true colors and people are going to begin to see through that. So keep it up. Justin, because people are going to start to see through. This is the same man, by the way, who when churches were burning down across Canada, he said it was unacceptable and wrong, but also that it was fully understandable. Literally, churches were burning across Canada, and he said it was fully understandable. And yet we have the mental health crisis that we have, people losing their jobs. Uh, the list, again, with lockdown effects goes on and on, and, and he doesn't find it understandable. He just finds it racist and misogynistic. So anyways, on another note, a much more positive note, Parliament readjourned and I was so entertained and just, just encouraged by a couple MPs. Uh, Candace Bergen was one and Pierre Polyev, he and her were on fire yesterday. Candace Bergen said Trudeau is misleading Canadians and that the Canadians outside the uh, Parliament are patriotic, peaceful, loving Canadians who are just asking to be heard she says they're being called misogynistic and racist by the man who has worn blackface more times than he can remember. And she called on him to apologize. It was awesome. I loved it. Um, then Pierre, he slammed Trudeau for his racist mistakes and how individuals should be held accountable for their actions, not the entire group of people. Same way that we wouldn't just categorize all liberals by Justin's racist uh, actions from the past. As well, you know, we look at the blackface pictures and people say, oh, it's a long time ago. It's, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. At a town hall meeting in 2018 in Quebec City, a man with a racist flag came to the event. You can see Trudeau standing right in front of him. And he calmly replied to him and looked at him and said, thank you for coming, sir. I can't, you can't even make this stuff up. Literally, thank you for coming, sir. And he's outraged that maybe a conservative was in the same Photoshop, uh, photo frame, with someone with a, a nasty flag. He literally looked at them in the face and said, thank you for being here. So um, yeah, the hypocrisy is never ending with Trudeau. Uh, Mark Holland from the Liberal Party tried to call for de-escalation of the conversation and working together. He was not happy with how Pierre was talking about things. He said that the truck truckers should go home and that their grievances could be heard. I'm sorry, but if their grievances could have not been heard while they were already at home and they had to drive across the country to be heard and they're still not being heard, I don't think going home right now is going to do anything. No one's going to listen. He won't even, Trudeau is calling them racist, won't even entertain their thoughts. What makes them think if they go home, he's going to listen to them? Pierre condemned any racist symbols used, but he said that it should not be used to discredit the convoy. 
and he said, I love this um, picture, he said, Canada is like a raw nerve that's being jumped on up and down by the Prime Minister with his hateful rhetoric. We have 14-year-olds that are suicidal, we have businesses being wiped out, and this is how Trudeau is responding. And again, Holland tried to like criticize Pierre and say like his tone was being too harsh. I feel like he was being so childish. Like, oh, your tone, your tone is just not right. But this is a moment to have a very direct and sometimes passionate tone. Like this is a much needed moment for that. So I really love Pierre and how he was handling that. He finished strong, asking the government to stand with the people. Um, it's been nice to see politicians like him and Leslin Lewis also stand in support of the convoy and be really public in doing that. So we have all this media spinning and stretching things right alongside the prime minister. And so it should be concerning to us that, you know, Trudeau wants further censorship with the bills that I mentioned before, because we are seeing lies and I, I don't really hesitate to call it propaganda. It's not true. He knows it's not true uh, from our own prime minister. So what would we do if we didn't have these honest reports, um, these media outlets like the True North Center that are actually telling us the truth and not paid for and slanted by the literal the liberal government? My favorite quote I've seen this week is, uh, quote, when citizens assemble to peacefully air their grievances and question government policies, they are participating in democracy. When a government labels those people terrorists and says they are a threat to democracy, they are authoritarian and they are participating in tyranny. I don't know who said this, but I thought it was very true. We are participating in democracy. The truckers are participating in democracy. And the government, who is not acting according to our charter, is trying to paint it as something else uh, because they are guilty of being an authoritarian government. So how do we respond? All this has been happening. I feel a little bit glued to the news these days, wondering how this is going to all play out. So what can we do, especially if you're at home and you're not in Ottawa? Speak out. We need to keep sharing what we're seeing by individuals that are on the ground I feel like people keep saying we need to be the media because the media is not uh, showing the real picture. They're slanting things. It's probably worse than it ever has been in terms of that. And you can just see it. Uh, you know, if you're watching what's really going on, you're seeing the disconnect between those two things. So maybe you do need to get in your car, drive there for yourself to show support and see for yourself what's happening there. If that's an option for you, man, if I did not have little kids, I would be there. I would love to see what's going on firsthand. Um, we need to give up our need for constant approval. And like I said, being okay with being mislabeled, even being called a racist when we know that we're not. We need to seek the approval of God and not man. And so we speak out and we tell the truth and we are not shut down by the possibility of being misunderstood or slandered when we know that these claims are untrue. We can pray for our leaders as much as you might like to dislike Justin Trudeau right now. We need to be praying for our leaders. Scripture calls us to do that. We don't have to endorse or give fake praise to someone we feel is inflicting evil rules on their people, but we can pray for his heart and his policies to change or for him to be removed from office. We call our elected officials and write them. I've heard that writing letters and emails is a little bit more productive than even phoning. There are still, still restrictions that are left up at the provincial level that we need lifted, and so that should be our next line of defense. Maybe we start writing letters of encouragement to the truckers that are still there. I don't know how long this feels like a standoff. It's, they're going to lose, you know, some momentum and excitement and they're going to need some encouragement. So if anyone listening knows of a great way to get those delivered that's on the ground there, that would be awesome. I'd love to start that somehow. Um, and ultimately, we can have rest and peace even if Canada feels uncertain right now and we don't know which direction it's going. We don't know. 
is Trudeau going to just lift mandates and life's going to go back to normal? Or is he going to like double down harder and things are going to get worse here? Are they going to paint this as something that it's not? And again, we just continue to make it worse. Um, we don't know, but we do know that God is still on the throne. He is still our king. And even when evil people lead, he is ultimately still in control. I can trust my life with him. I know that he's going to provide and take care of my family. And so I can have peace in the midst of chaos and uncertainty. And so I hope you leave with that today. That's really the final takeaway. Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of Can't Stay Quiet. I look forward to our next one. We can talk more about Canadian politics, culture, and theology from a Christian worldview.